today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Mandatory vaccinations, very controversial subject uh, right across North America. Well, I guess really globally these days because of uh, the fourth wave that we're now in and we're concerned about that. And uh, I think we're getting pretty damn tired of lockdowns and everything else. Uh, so we're looking for mitigating measures. And, and as you know, of listening to this program, uh, I've been a strong advocate for at least proof of vaccination, if not mandatory vaccinations. Uh, Ontario government will not really take a position on that. They're just encouraging everybody to get vaccinated. But uh, it's the old carrot and stick thing. I don't want to get into that analogy too deeply. But to their credit, a number of organizations right now are being proactive about this and adopting uh, mandatory vaccine policies. Uh, you heard Mayor Fred Eisenberger from Hamilton on our program just a couple of days ago saying that he's actually going to have a special meeting of council uh, later today, in fact, uh, to try to to move forward on a policy like that for at least city employees anyway uh, for mandatory vaccination. Hamilton Police Service are also uh, in the mix, and uh, they've made a decision about that too. Joining us to talk about that and uh, the implications thereof is uh, the Chief of Police for the City of Hamilton, uh, Police Chief Frank Bergen joins us. Uh, Chief, thank you for the time. Good to have you back in the program today. Uh, good morning, Bill. Always a great opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. Uh, the one thing I'd ask you to do is let's take the word controversy uh, out of it. Let's, let's not speak about it in the negative. Let's speak about an opportunity for us to demonstrate in this community, a community that is lagged behind in vaccinations, for an opportunity for us to come together as a community to make sure that we can do everything we can to protect everyone. Exactly my point, and, and I'm glad you guys were proactive about this, and congratulations on this, Chief, uh, for, for tackling this issue and, and uh, being out front on something like this, because I think this has got to be a key part of this. And I, I, I am flummoxed, you know, and you and I have had these discussions of, in, in the last little while. Uh, you know, a year ago, we were all saying, my God, if we only had a vaccine, we could knock this thing down, and all of a sudden became available, and you've got some people just are pushing on it, and I don't get the sense that, that, that just they don't understand the gravity of the situation. But you do, but police services. Talk to us about the process about how you came to this decision and moved with forward with this policy, Chief. Uh, Bill, you actually always lay the runway for me, and I do appreciate it. The reality is um, Deputy Diodotti, Director Snedden, and everybody in our PIOC, our Police Emergency Operations Center, uh, we leaned heavily on the government in March and April of last year. You'll recall that in their first wave of, of uh, first phase of vaccinations, police were not mentioned. We were not mentioned in, in actually getting them into the queue of the third phase. That was not acceptable. Our people are touching our community, are interacting with our community, are dealing with our most vulnerable, but the reality is we took a robust position then. We appealed and, and, and got what we needed and the advocacy worked. How can we sit on our hands today? We have to have that same energy moving forward, and the reality is we believe it's the right thing to do. Now, as we mentioned, it's it's not going to be a blanket policy because there is no directive right now from the provincial government nor from the attorney general's office, uh, which oversees police services. Uh, so it has to be done on an individual basis. And uh, I know the city of Toronto uh, is adopting a policy and Toronto police services are moving forward on this. Uh, talk to us about the meeting with, that you had. Now, was this a police board decision or is this actually the, the police services that are going forward with this? Uh, thank you, Bill. The reality is this is a decision that was made by our command table in, table in concert with our PIOC, has um, absolutely followed the guidelines of public health. The reality is we took the time to work with our association. Uh, Jamie Bannon and their membership, is their advocacy is so important to look after the needs of our member. We are aligned to what are the restrictions or at least the exemptions within the Ontario Human Rights Code. We have had careful conversations. We have given our members the opportunity to demonstrate 
that they can have up until the 4th of October. And so we don't do this in isolation. This is a conversation. I did inform the board yesterday morning. I believe uh, that is the right thing to do. But it was only after we had conversations with our association and looked at the full landscape of what this impact will be on our members. I should tell our listeners, uh, uh, Jamie Bannon, of course, is the, the president of the Hamilton Police Association. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that, that that was part of the conversation. I know that she's been on record as suggesting that uh, we were just talking about the you know the initial stages of the vaccination program here in the province of Ontario. And uh, she tells us that the majority of the members of the police service in Hamilton uh, have been vaccinated when they first became available. Or, and after you uh, and, and other chiefs of police, of course, made the big push to say, hey, we are frontline workers. What's going on here? Uh, and I'm glad there was an uptake on this. But uh, you'd like to get 100%. Uh, is there a, a, a goal here that you're shooting for? Because then there are going to be some people that are not going to be able to this, uh, do this, rather, Chief. There may even be some people that just don't want to do this. So how do you deal with that situation? Well, again, we're looking at where we believe. So we have an ability to understand and have tracked the actual first phase or the first dosage. And at that time, we had approximately 88% of our members uh, follow in and, and fall in line and, and get the first vaccination. As you know, when the actual age is changed, et cetera, it changed our ability to um, capture and, and have that data. Um, we want that consideration of being able to demonstrate to our community and to our members uh, that we are, are really doing as much as we can about this um, struggle with COVID. The other thing um, that is a very careful consideration, and, and this is something I'd read in, in the paper on Tuesday morning, and it just resonates with all of us here. Consider that the public doesn't have the discretion of when they meet us. And the reality is, think of the apprehension as well of that public member sitting in a car or sitting in an interaction or whatever, having those interactions and wondering whether or not we are vaccinated. So this is, again, just our approach to this. We will work with all our members to make sure they have the opportunity to understand the impacts of this decision, but also have the ability to comply. Well, and, and that's a concern that I've heard as well, that, uh, you know, as this thing has rolled along and, and the pandemic has continued, uh, you're wondering, and, and we're at that stage now. You know, a, a lot of people are apprehensive about going to a movie theater because, well, who's that sitting beside me? Are they vaccinated or not? Or going anywhere, even to an indoor dining situation? Uh, and police services, as like you say, <laughs> you, you don't know you need them until you need them. And, and when officers respond in a timely fashion, uh, you want to know that, you know, that every safety precaution is being taken. As, as with other first responders, whether it's, you know, advanced care paramedics, police, fire, whatever the case might be. So I, I thought it was a no-brainer that, that, that agencies like this and services like this uh, would jump on board. Uh, the fact that you mentioned initially, uh, Chief, the 88% uh, compliance with the vaccination, uh, that's an incredible. That's, that's something to be proud of. I mean, we just talked earlier this morning about how the uh, chief medical officer here in the province is uh, saying that the only way we're going to get over this is to achieve probably about 90% vaccination. You're already there within your own police community. We are, Bill, and we have been a leader in this file all along. Right now, since August the 3rd, we have been able to bring 89 people back to work. One thing that is so important, and we talk about this during budget discussions, is our cop-to-pop ratios within our community. Right now, we are lagging behind what is the median of our province. The reality is we want to make sure that we have healthy officers available to manage those calls for service. Managing those calls for service need the back end, the civilian support that we get that we so much rely on. Bill, I want to just illustrate 
that this is not a, an easy community. We have a lot of challenges to deal with. The reality is two days ago, we actually went over 1,000 radio calls when normally we average 650. This is a rock and roll community that expects us to be available. I want to make sure that our officers are healthy and supported and have the ability to look after their work, but also to look after their families. Also, this is a time when everyone's considering about going back to school. So again, that conversation has to be at the kitchen table and have to understand, making sure that the whole family, the family of policing, but our community family is safe. You know, when you talk about the challenges, and I, I, I'll go back way back, I guess, to my days on city council. And one of the number one challenges for police services is, is well, it's, it's geography, isn't it? I mean, this this is a community that stretches well, essentially from Grimsby over to the east uh, to the borders of Cambridge on the other side. Uh, it's a big geographic area to cover with uh, the number of, of officers that are going to be there at any one shift. And... Uh, which which begs the question about mental health issues, and we've talked about that with many other factors, Chief. Uh, is that a concern as this pandemic drags on and, and the pressure is on frontline workers like the members of, of, of your police services? Are, you, uh, are there programs being put in place to try to deal with the, the officers themselves? I, I would absolutely say that we have a very robust um, uh, occupational health strategy with regards to members' wellness. Uh, that is why I speak of that we had had approximately 89 of our members who had actually availed themselves of the opportunity to have flexible schedules as well as working from home. Uh, I know firsthand that uh, there were conversations at the sergeant staff sergeant level that if somebody was needing that off-ramp, needing an ability to manage their own covert angst and, and the challenge of the family they were given that we will continue to do that this is not us shirking our responsibility every day we have to look after the health and welfare not only of our members but of our whole community what about uh, the support services i mean we talk about frontline officers chief and uh, and that's obviously a very important aspect of this but you've got support work you've got people that are not sworn officers i mean that's a, a big building downtown hamilton uh the central headquarters of course for police but even the uh, the other branches of the service uh there are other people that are working in those buildings too is this policy encompassing everybody who works within uh the the realm of police service in the city of hamilton it is, Bill. It is a whole-of-service response. Uh, I'll just uh, harken back to how I spent my morning with uh, uh, Deputy Hamilton and Deputy Diodati. We were actually in Station 20. Station 20 on the weekend had the unfortunate one shift, had the unfortunate call-out to have two um, baby death investigations, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. What more tragic call to deal with that impact? So it's the dispatchers, it's the support network, it's the administration, it's the people who are all around, wraparound support that we have to to make sure that we listen to, we give them those opportunities to, to speak and to have their conversation supported by health, mental health work, as well as physical support. And in this conversation with COVID, it, it's no different. We have to look at being able to deal with the anxiety as well as the other mitigating challenges that are there in place to make sure people feel comfortable. You mentioned about the you know, it's probably not going to be 100%. And let's talk about how you deal with those uh, who, well, well, first of all, the ones who are not able to. It could be health reasons, could be any number of underlying conditions where they don't feel comfortable or their physician maybe directs them that it may be not the best idea to get the vaccine. Uh, there are alternatives, and different organizations, Chief, as you know, have adopted different forms of alternatives. So what, what happens with those people? I would imagine it would something to do with some form of testing, I guess. 
That, that is right, Bill. And again, let's just be clear that if, in fact, they have a medical or a religious exemption on the Ontario Human Rights Code, that is where we would first have that conversation. Uh, we have afforded our members ample opportunity uh, well into September to put us on notice. Uh, we'll give them that support to be able to manage that. But beyond that, right now, then, we are expecting that if a member is returning to the beginning of a shift rotation, is that they are to get a actual third-party screening, which gives them the ability to be clear. And who absorbs the cost of that? Initially, at this point, we're looking at um, that cost will be borne by the member. Okay, so that's that's an alternative for them. Uh, when you talk about those who may choose not to do this, Chief, uh, you know, medical reasons I think can be pretty self-explanatory. You'd, you'd probably get an okay or some sort of a, a documentation from a physician that said this is not a good idea for this particular individual. Uh, there are some people that uh, that just say I don't want it. I don't believe in this. Uh, are you anticipating any concerns about that within police services? I, I can think we absolutely do anticipate that, and that is why we really do appreciate our relationship with our Hamilton Police Association, and we'll have those conversations as they arise. And, uh, and do those on an individual basis. Uh, so in other words, you're looking for some proof of, of, of concern here, not just somebody who may have a philosophical or, or whatever reason for not doing this. Uh, I mean, other organizations have gone to the extent right now suggesting uh, that those who simply refuse to do this without what they consider to be a valid reason uh, may actually be told not to show up for work or maybe assigned other duties. Are, are those options for police service members? At this particular time, this is not a sick bay uh, or a sick bank option. This will be an unpaid leave, and these will be things that, again, we'll do everything we possibly can to work with our members and our association to make sure that we have the ability to truly articulate the position of this standing order. So it, you've, this is a, a wholesome plan, then. In other words, you've thought just about every eventuality here is to, to handle this on, a, on an individual basis. But uh, and, and we're hoping uh, that those cases, if in fact any of them do crop up, are going to be few and far between. It sounds as if uh, there seems to be a, a general acceptance within the police services. And I know just, again, going back to some of the comments uh, from uh, from uh, Jamie Bannon from the uh, Police Association, uh, that the, the, this seems to be an idea that uh, most of the members seem to be on side with. Thank you, Bill, for that as well. And, and part of the communication strategy yesterday was making sure our members were made aware of these decisions before we put out the press release. Uh, we have a policy that we will always do our best to have member-first uh, conversations. In that, we learned that we had not thought of every eventuality. Uh, we had thought about what is the impact on a volunteer? What is the impact on a, on a member who is now doing a call-in? A call-in is is when they're coming in adding a shift when somebody isn't available. So we're having those conversations and we're doing that with the association. Now, and again, to go with community partners, we're talking about some of the sports services, uh, and, and you do partner with a number of other community agencies. Uh, is there a discussion about mandatory vaccination for those people or is that something that, that would have to be done within their own organization? Uh, Bill, I'll rely upon what will be occurring today at council level, and I'll also rely upon our amazing partners to make their own policy. Uh, but the reality is our interactions and our involvement with our partnership is incredible. I would say it's gold standard amongst the province. When we're looking at the challenges of encampments, I absolutely know that we work shoulder to shoulder with many uh, partner agencies, and, and once we understand uh, and at least have the demonstrated um, ability to say that we are vaccinated, I would hope that everybody else understands that impact as well. Chief, what's the, de uh, the timeline for this right now? Is, is it something that's going to be started immediately, or is there going to be a, a grace period for those who maybe have not had the second shot yet to be able to be in compliance? 
Uh, Bill, what we had done initially is we had looked at some options for dates. Uh, what we had been no, um, notified about was the actual 28 days that are required from first to second dosage. So what we did is we took that, we added a day, and then in fact in further conversations with our association we added an additional two weeks. So in fact uh, we look for compliance effective October 4th. 2000 and uh, I'm sorry 2021 uh, and more importantly uh, we're asking by the 15th of September that if members do want to move forward with a, uh, a qualified exemption uh, they would notify our occupational health and so we have built that in uh, built that in so it gives a, a lead time and an opportunity for people to understand uh, what we are asking them to do. A number of agencies, Chief, as you know, have, have actually gone to the extent of actually having on-site uh, clinics for people that, that, that do want to uh, move forward, as long as they're in compliance, as you mentioned, with the, the timeline between first and second dosage. Uh, is that an option for police services right now, or, or is it necessary? Uh, since speaking with Dr. Richardson and looking at what the Hamilton Public Health is doing, uh, we are so satisfied there still is opportunity in many variety forms for our members to have an opportunity to get the vaccination. Well, here's hoping that uh, the accessibility is not going to be a problem. Uh, again, Chief, uh, congratulations on, on being so uh, uh, visionary about this and, and uh, to have members of the police service as well. It's, uh, this is a, a great idea, and I think it's one of these things that is just going that much further to make sure that everybody uh, has a comfort level with uh, safety in this issue as uh, there's the continued interaction between police services and all frontline workers. Uh, thanks again for the time today, Chief, and uh, stay well, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Thank you very much, Bill. Stay positive, test negative. You betcha. Hamilton Chief of Police Frank Bergen with the Hamilton Police Services uh, adopting a policy about mandatory vaccinations, which are going to affect October the 4th. And uh, as you say, the association has uh, been part of that discussion, and uh, they seem to be uh, on side with this as well. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.